Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called As Long As I Live. You ever know a medium? I mean, the producers, ghosts and spirit voices, just table rapping and stuff. Yeah, I was married to one. Sure, it's phony. Most of them are phony. Some of them ain't. Some of them are legit, I hear. You got a minute? Let me tell you, huh? Me? No, I'm not going anyplace uh, for a while. Time, I got lots of. You go for this stuff? You don't, huh? Don't believe in it. <laughs> yeah, that's what they all say. Never had your fortune told, huh? Never had your hand read, the palmistry, I mean, at a carnival, amusement park, anything like that? I thought so. Sure, everybody's made one path at least of supernatural stuff, uh, occult. Sure, even when you read the fortune on the card that comes out of the penny weighing machine, you're on the edges of it. Human nature, that's all. Human nature. And it pays off right well when you're in the business. I know. Listen, it's good money, the psychic business, but stay out of it. It's not all phony. Yes, Georgie was here. But Georgie ain't Georgie. My wife, the medium. We had this old house in Chicago out on the west side, Georgie and me and Uncle Lars. I never knew a good deal about Uncle Lars, except he was born in 1845, which would make him 97 years old. He was my father's great uncle. He was a kind of recluse when I was a kid. Tall, skinny old Swede, lived all alone in a little brown-painted house on Margaret Street. Never went out without a shawl around his head. But he always kind of liked me, even when I was a little bitty kid. Had my first drink at Uncle Lars' house, Swedish punch. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and drug at Christmas time, hot and full of raisins and nuts and spices. <laughs> quite a thing, drug, especially for a ten-year-old brat. Well, Georgie and I had quite a discussion about Uncle Lars when he got the letter saying he was coming to live with us. Well, you're going to have to look after him, Jen. I'm not picking up after you, let alone an old man that probably hasn't got all his buttons. No, he's got good sense. He's only 97. <laughs> he comes from Dalina, where they live to be a million years old and dry up and blow away. You got any money? Yeah, must have. Couldn't he go to an old folks' home or something? And leave the door to the old folks, you crazy? Oh. Wonder how much he's got it. Oh, darn it, I'm sorry. That was a terrible thing to say. Poor old guy all alone. Yeah, sure. He was nice to me when I was a kid. And he won't cost much to keep. He says he'll pay his keep. Oh? <laughs> Just like him. Ah, you like him, Georgie. Ever been married or anything? Well, there's a kind of mystery, uh, you know. Oh? Uh, there was a cousin, Flora. I don't know who she was, but there was some kind of story about this cousin, Flora, back in Sweden. She came over to this country. They were going to be married, but she died in the Chicago fire in 1871. And he kept house all by himself all those years. Yeah, I suppose. Maybe forgotten her, though. Long time ago, I guess. No, he hasn't forgotten her. I don't think he has. 
I remember when I was a kid, he used to have a big, carved Swedish chest. An old chest, I guess. I guess so. It was awful old-fashioned clothes. I got into it one afternoon at his house while he was asleep. Funny clothes. I remember a purple velvet dress. Is she pretty? I don't know. I never saw any pictures of it. Didn't you ever ask him about it? Uh, nobody ever mentioned it to him. I remember my dad said something about it once. Uh, the old man ordered him right out of the house. <laughs> Poor old guy. Well, he'll make his last year comfortable, Ken. That's my baby. <laughs> ah, you're a good kid, Georgie. The mists are clearing now in the ray of moonlight. Is it moonlight falls between the tall trees? And I see a face. It is a little girl, a golden-haired little girl in a gown of shining silver. Her arms are outstretched. She is seeking someone. She stops. She wants to tell me her name. Her name. Wait. She says her name is Rosalind. Rosalind, for God's sake, George. Oh, that's right. I forget it all. I turn down at Rosalind. Rosalind, Rosalind. Okay, don't forget it. If old lady watches you, you calling her darling baby out of her name, it'll screw up everything. Then she's worth go, Kitty. I know. I'll remember Where's Uncle Lars? In the hammock out in the backyard. I don't think he likes me very much, Jim. You're crazy. He thinks you're swell. Uh-uh. Well, he don't talk much to anybody, not even me. That's like he's scared of me. What are you talking about? No, I'm not kidding. You ever see anybody put their hand like this? No. I have. Tell you what it is. Well? That's what people in the old country call horns of the devil. Corny de Diablo, old man Garbaccio used to say down on Taylor Street when I was a kid. What? Well, you see, you hold two middle fingers with your thumb, shake your first finger and your little finger out like horns, see? And you point at people. Well, what for? To charm against evil eyes. What are you talking about? Well, that's Uncle Oz when he's with me. He holds his hand like that all the time. <laughs> you think you got the evil eye? He sure does, honey. <laughs> and he's part of it, is, baby. Maybe I have. You're screwy. You know, fooling around with all this psychic stuff like I have, every once in a while you begin to wonder about things. Like what? I don't know, James. I mean, things. Well, like what things, sweetie? James, listen. When he makes the corny de Diablo at me, I get the most awful pains around my heart. My darling. Honey, you stop. You stop that, you hear? You're letting this stuff get to you. You can't do that. You... You're just being silly. Yeah, I know. I, I know, Jen. He's silly, all right, but... <laughs> you know, if you fool around with this stuff, you begin to wonder if maybe you really are psychic. You said that. You're not. I know, but... Oh, Jen! Georgie, what's the matter? My... Oh, what's the matter, Jen? Is your wife sick all of a sudden? And I looked up, startled, as the old man spoke from the doorway. Uncle I stepped forward, his hand outstretched to help me support Georgie. The fingers of his right hand were still clenched into the horns of the devil, into the charm against the evil eye. And then he opened his hand, and Georgie straightened up in my arms and drew a long breath and smiled at me. But I looked into her face, and there wasn't any smile in her eyes. I'm all right. I'm all right, then. Tell Uncle I'm all right. And I looked deep into her unsmiling eyes. I felt my own right hand twitch, and I looked down at it. My forefinger and little finger had formed the shape of a charm against the evil eye. I lay awake a long time that night, 
Georgie, as long as we've been married, has always insisted on sleeping with a light on in the room. And, well, after all these years, I've gotten used to it, too. But she had a most disconcerting, is that the word? A disconcerting way of sleeping. A way that used to bother me at first when I woke up in the night and turned my head to hers on the pillow beside me. Well, she slept with her eyes open. No, 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 don't be silly. Not wide open, but not quite closed. Georgie was a very good-looking woman, mind you, but asleep with her eyelids not quite meeting and just a little of the pupil showing. She seemed to be staring. Or like... Like... Well, I don't want to tell you what it looks like if you've never seen it. Oh, yeah, she'd be sound asleep, sure. We used to laugh about it. So I got used to it. She said lots of people sleep that way. I don't know. I got so it didn't bother me anymore, like I said, but... Well, this time, I'd shut my eyes, and I'd have to open them again. And there'd be that glitter between her eyelids and the light of the lamp, like... Well, I don't know why I did it. It sounds foolish, but... Well, I made the corner de Diablo at her. And we stopped breathing. And I thought I'd never get my fingers apart. They were cramped, stiff, unwilling. But in a couple of seconds, I guess, I managed to pry them apart. And Georgie started breathing again, and she smiled and turned her face away from me. And for a long time, I, I lay there listening to her soft, even breathing beside me and saying over and over to myself, Georgie, Georgie, I love you. And believe me, I did love her. But a thought came crawling in from the back of my mind, and it took hold of my brain. The first thing I knew, I was in those dreadful minutes between being awake and falling asleep, and I thought, Georgie, Georgie, I love you. And I can kill you whenever I want to. And at last I fell asleep. And I dreamed about a woman in an old-fashioned purple velvet dress. A woman who laughed in a strange way. And I could never see her face. Only the purple velvet dress. And then the morning came and it seemed all confused in my mind. And Georgie was cheerful and happy in the kitchen as we ate breakfast together. And I guess I held her hand thinking... Uh, a lot of nonsense, a lot of bad dreams, a lot of nightmares. Everything's all right, of course. And it was really quite pleasant, just the two of us. And it was that way for a week, maybe. We did a seance for Mrs. Watts, and Georgie remembered to call a little girl Rosalind, and old Mrs., uh, I forget her name, cried in the dark and asked questions about how Rosalind was doing in the great beyond. And Georgie made her happy with her answers, and we made $75 out of that. She bought a new hat that was just a hat brim with flowers on it, not at all the kind of hat you'd expect a spirit medium to wear. So it went on, as I said. We hardly ever saw Uncle Lars. He used to get up and make his own coffee first thing in the morning, long before we woke up. Then he'd go sit in the backyard, smoke cigars, and rest. So this one morning, we're sitting there, looking at the papers and being quietly happy. When Georgia got up to pour another cup of coffee, she stopped at the back door and looked out. Yeah. Where's Uncle Lars? In the hammock, isn't he? 
don't see him. He's probably putting around with the flowers. No, not in the garden. Maybe he's still asleep. He's always up so early. Well, let him sleep. He's an old man. I better see. I don't know. You know, he might... Something might be... I better see if he's... Yeah. Well, he's asleep. Don't wake him. <clears throat> Jim? You all right? Jim, come here. Well, what's the matter? Come here, quick. What's the matter? He... Something's the matter with him. Uncle Lars. It was all right, Jim, when I came in the room. He was breathing just like a baby, and then when I came over and looked at him, he was just kind of gasped, and that awful look came on his face. And... Jim. Jim, what's the matter with you? You. You looked at him. <laughs> all right, he was 97 years old. He was entitled to a stroke. How do I know she did it? How do I know anything? How do I know when I pointed my finger at her that night, she stopped breathing? Well, all I can do is tell you what happened. No, he wasn't dead. We, we took him to the hospital, and he was there a, a long time. The doctors told me it was perfectly natural. A stroke. He'd be all right for a while, they said. Then he'd have another, and that'd be that. So I said to myself, sure, it's natural. It's nothing magic. There's nothing, uh, you know, evil about this thing. Georgie couldn't be to blame. And even if she was, which I said to myself, it's silly. She couldn't help it. She, she didn't mean anything. She liked the old man. All right. You remember that woman in the purple dress I dreamed about? The purple velvet dress? The one in Flora's Hope chest? Mm-hmm. Georgie, I said one day. Georgie, the funniest thing... I've been dreaming about that purple velvet dress I told you about. You remember? In the chest? Yeah. I bet there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, it's heavy, all right. Funny about him and that girl that died. Yeah. He must have been awful in love with her. Yeah. Dreams are funny, Jim. Hmm? How do you mean? Well, no, they mean different things. <laughs> I wonder. Maybe you dreaming about her? I didn't say I dreamed about her. I, I said the dress. Well, maybe that's a symbol. Maybe that means... Maybe he's going to die. Maybe she's telling us that. Maybe there's something in the chest we ought to know That's about. That's not monkey with the chest. He might be trying to tell us something. Oh, stop, George. No, James, I don't know. It's... Well, there's a lot of things we don't understand. And then I got mad and I said, Oh, for Pete's sake, let's get out of this stupid business. It's making us all nutty. Georgie said it wasn't stupid, and so we got into a fight. I got up and put on my hat and walked out of the house. And when I came home that night... I walked into the bedroom, and there was a woman in a purple velvet dress lying on Georgie's bed. And when I saw it was Georgie, a wave of rage just swept over me like a hot flood, and I slapped her, and she woke up and flew at me. What What was wrong with us? She hit me, and I think I tried to choke her. We yelled at each other like a pair of wildcats. She scratched my face. I yanked her hair down. She struck at me again, and then I... I don't know how I did it. Something something seemed to be pulling at my hand. And Georgie screamed again and fell down on the floor. I looked at my hand where it hurt. My two fingers were outstretched in the shape of the devil's horn. And I... I picked her up and put her on the bed. I took the 
purple velvet dress off her. And as it slipped over her head, she opened her eyes and she smiled at me. And I... I just flopped down alongside the bed, put my arms around her, and cried like a baby. And then a few nights later, we brought Uncle Lars home from the hospital. I put him to bed. Georgie went out in the kitchen to make coffee. She, she knew Uncle Lars was nervous with her around. Georgie was a good kid, like I told you. So I sat on the edge of the bed and felt sorry for the old man. Yes. Yes, Uncle Lars. You feel all right? The purple dress. What? Purple dress. What? What about it? Your wife put it on. Why? I know. (laughs) Laura told me. Uncle Lars. You must not put it on, Jens. Oh, I'm sorry, Uncle Lars. She didn't mean anything. You know that. She has the evil eye. Your wife. Oh, Uncle Lars, now let's not... You know she has, don't you? Well, I... No, I don't know it. Then, is there of an evil woman? But Georgie's not. I speak of Flora. Why, I thought you... I mean you... I... I am close to dying now, Shanks. I tell you something. Well? Flora. I love Flora, Bunn. Of course. She died in the fire. I know. I killed her, Jim. Why? What did you do? I locked her in the house and I let the fire burn her. Uncle Lars, you be so... Flora was an evil woman. I loved her, and she... She does not speak of that. Let us not speak of how I found out. Let us say that there was another man. And she laughed at me and called me a dumb fool, and... Then there was the fire. I had bought her the new purple dress, and I... Come home and... Uncle, Uncle Lars, do you... I mean, do you, do you want to tell me all this? I have told you. He hated me, Jennings. He has hated me so long. <laughs> and beware of an evil woman. Yeah, oh, she calls you. Take care. I'll be right back, Uncle Lars. Don't tell her. Of course not. I'll be right back. Yeah, what do you want, Georgie? Come here, please. Uh, shall I close the door? Please. Where are you, Georgie? Well, what have you got the light off for? Georgie, where are you? It's still going. Well, what are you doing? It's still on something. Well, turn on the light. Well, listen, I... What are you... I'm doing something for Uncle Lars, He's afraid of me, and he doesn't like me, and I want to... What are you up to? I'm going to bring Flora back to him. George. Sister, 
I found out I can do it. I told her there were things we didn't understand. I tried it and it's easy. Poor old man. I'm going to let him see the girl he was in love with. Stop, Georgie. I can't stop now. Be still, please. Georgie, you don't know what you're doing. Stop. Stop. Laura. Laura. Stop it. Laura. Laura. Georgie, I tell you, she... That something choked off my voice. I tried, but I couldn't say another word. Over in the corner, I could see a little pale, purplish light. I could hear Georgie moaning. And I couldn't move hand or foot. It was like something holding me by the arms. I heard Uncle Lars call to me. Then, what are you doing? And Uncle Lars' door opened slowly. Lars, I'll be come back. Lars! <laughs> and I felt something release my arms then. And I reached for the light switch. And suddenly the room was bright again. Georgie was huddled in her chair across the room, her, her eyelids nearly closed, and the bare light glittered between them. And she was breathing heavily. But at the open door beside me, there stood a tall woman in a purple velvet dress. And I heard her laugh. And she turned to look at me. And she had no face. She raised her arm toward me. I felt my own right arm lifting and my fingers squirming into the shape of the corny de Diablo into the charm against my wife who had only tried to be charitable to an old man and who had brought his death upon him. And so I brought my wife's death upon her too. In that old house, Georgie struggled to her feet, took two steps toward my outstretched fingers and said, Janice, darling, very clearly, and fell. And I felt something soft clinging against me. I dropped my eyes and there was the purple dress slowly sinking empty to the floor at my feet. And there was the sound of soft, distant laughter in my ears. And so, I'm here. And tonight they'll take me out. And I won't be coming back. How could I explain two dead people with a mark of horrible, violent death on their faces? Alone in an old house with a man who was sitting on the floor, gibbering, carefully, oh, so carefully, ripping an old-fashioned purple velvet dress into shreds. was called As Long As I Live. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper. The man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And Alice Reinhardt played Georgie. Uncle Lars was Bruno Wick. And Lotta Stavisky was Flora. As usual, music for choir, please, is played by Albert Berman. Now, about next week, here is Willis Cooper. All the characters in tonight's story were, as usual, segments of my own imagination. They have no relation to anybody living, dead, or undead. 
Next week, our story will be The Man Who Stole a Planet. And so, until next week at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. Please comes to you from New York and asserting Canada through the facilities of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. <laughs>